You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. I'm Sean Devine. This is episode number 182. And for this year, the uh, the podcast is uh, presented by Toggle Professional Services. I'll tell you a bit more about them later. Uh, today, I'm joined by Rigel St. Pierre. Hey, Rigel. Hey, Sean. How's it going? It's going great. So, uh, a bit of a revamp. So I got a little bit, I was getting a little bit bored of the old format, uh, last year in part, cause it's, it's sort of hard to schedule every single week, an hour long interview with a new person. Um, so I thought that I would try out a slightly new format this, this, uh, this year, at least until I got bored of this one. So I thought that today, in addition to chatting about some interesting stuff that you've got going on, I would run the format by you to get your feedback. And I've got some content for it too, and then uh, maybe I'll take your feedback and incorporate it as I start to really ramp up on this uh, this new season. How's that sound? Sounds good. It, it also makes it a little tricky because uh, you know I'm, I'm a listener of the podcast, and so I kind of I've listened to so many of them. It's like okay, I kind of know what to expect, and now you've thrown me a curveball. <laughs> it probably will be about the same, except I've named parts of the conversation. <laughs> well, I started to I, I uh, quick aside. So I heard on another podcast, I think it was uh, one of the ones from Gimlet Media, uh, the guys that broke off from um, this Amer- or, yeah, from this American Life and, and Planet Money, and they put uh, audio in back of their ads, and I loved it. I thought it sounded great because it sort of like I don't know, it was a bit of a a bit of a curve on the the way that the episode sounded, and I also thought it was nice that you knew. When, you know, when an episode was in an advertisement and, and when it wasn't. And uh, I started to do that a few weeks ago, and I think that that's what caused me to, to start to look at maybe formatting it in a little bit more of a structured way. Because I liked, I don't know, like, I, I think it's fun to put that audio in. It makes it feel a little bit more, I don't know, produced. So I, I thought that I'd do some other new things, too. What the heck? You did that on Josh's show, right? You did it with uh, yeah. the ad read there. I really liked it. It sounds good, right? Yeah, it sounds great. You know, kind of it's a little bit more like traditional radio. Uh, like Howard Stern does it on his show. Not that I listen to it a lot, but the little snippets I've heard here and there, um, they definitely, uh, it definitely just kind of, it separates it from like the show versus the ad read. Yeah, I think it's nice. So I, <clears throat> I, I've put the question out on Twitter, but no, nobody's ever gotten it right, but I'll, I'll tell you what the, the audio is. So I... So my, my family are, um, is sort of full of musicians, but I'm not really one. But I'm always around music, and I don't know, they're always doing interesting things. But anyway, so I they, they kind of put the challenge to me over the holidays to find an interesting song that uh, sample the little the loop on. So I found a song that I think is so funny to have as the, the podcast background music, but again, no one's guessed it. It's uh, Keep on Lying to Me. Keep on Lying to Me. That's the name of the uh, the song, and it's by Jesse Ware. And I thought, what what better for an advertising background loop than "Keep on Lying to Me"? So, I'll. I'll I, do I don't know. know. Do I would. Know have, I would have guessed it. No, but I definitely feel you with the whole music thing. Like my brother's uh, in music for uh, like a bachelor of um, contemporary music, and my dad plays bass, and I fiddle, and I work for a music company where I'm one of the least talented musicians here. <laughs> now, are, are you actually pretty good? It's just that you're surrounded by people that are really good. No, I, I, I fake my way through it. Yeah. I'm not even there. I, uh, I kind of made this uh, vow this year that I would sing more, which I have been doing. 
And uh, I like it. I, I found a way to trick myself into singing, which is, so I've got a bunch of kids. And if I sing with the kids, like I feel like I sing well and I'm not at all uh, shy about it. Not that I'm shy in general, but I maybe am a little bit shy about singing. And, uh, but if I'm like showing the kids how to sing, like for example, the song music's in front of me and I've got my finger tracing along with the music and I'm pointing it out, all of a sudden I realize I sing okay. So now I've just been carrying kids around with me everywhere that I want to sing and (laughs) using them as my foil. But anyways, there will be no singing on this podcast. Okay. So let me, uh, let me jump right into it. So the, the first section that I'm thinking about for this season, I was thinking about calling the rake and, uh, I think I'm going to maybe introduce some music for each of the sections, but, but here's my pitch. So I read a lot every week in terms of, you know, blog posts and articles and documentation from libraries and whatever that I think are interesting. And I tweet out a lot of them, but not most of them. And I thought that it'd be interesting to have a section at the top of the show where we go through some of the more interesting news and links from the week and, uh, you know, just comment on them. How do you think that sounds? I like that. That's always, it's always fun. It'd be nice if, uh, if you got them ahead of time, but hopefully I've read some of the ones I follow you on Twitter. So, <laughs> right. Well, so I, I thought I'd start with three blogs. We'll see how many of, of these you read. Um, so first, did you read the robots.thoughtbot.com blog? Um, not religiously, but if something pops up in my feed and it's got an interesting title, I, I definitely will, will click through to it. There's some For some reason, I, I don't always click through. I'm sort of in the same camp that you are. I don't, I don't know what it is. Something about some of them maybe turns me off, but I, I've found myself reading them more frequently lately because I keep on finding them when I search for things. And I decided to make, I've just got to get over my hang up on whatever it is about their blog. I don't like that much and start reading it because they've got lots of good content. So, so they had one article this week that I thought was great called, uh, set up cloud, cloud, uh, flare free SSL on Heroku, which is like one of those things I saw people tweeting about, which is, so Cloudflare came up with this, uh, new plan where you can get to, you, you can, uh, get free SSL on a custom domain on Heroku through them which no one had done before that I know of at least. And, uh, so anyways, they, they put up a very thoughtful sort of step-by-step about how to do it. That also had in mind some sort of longer term considerations. I thought it was great. Uh, I'm not sure if you read that or not. I'm just coming through it. I'm actually kind of bummed that I shouldn't read this. Cause, uh, I had to pay for an SSL certificate this week. <laughs> there we go. See, see, the, 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 this, this shows me that this, uh, this little section is pretty good. Um, yeah, um, so I launched a site about a week ago, um, and we were taking payment and we were like, okay, it's, you know, Stripe says, okay, you have to be covered under SSL. And, um, and so doing SSL on Heroku has always been kind of a pain and SSL in in general is kind of hard. And there's, um, there's a new, uh, add-on, I guess Heroku calls them. I I always call them plugins because that's what they've been called for years called expedited SSL. Um, and it made it really simple. Um, but it still cost me, I thought it was only going to cost me 15 bucks a month and I could get around Heroku's $20 endpoint. Uh, but instead it cost me $35. Uh, but it's still cheaper. Like most, well, well, most well. SSL certificates are still like, you know, a uh, hundred bucks a year and we can probably turn off SSL, um, kind of 
once we've done taking payments in um, in March, um, and then you know turn it back on. So that's an option. Um, but yeah, this looks really interesting. I just skimmed through it. It's pretty good, I think. But I saw when, so Cloudflare put up a blog post back, I don't know, maybe in the early fall that this was coming out. And then they came out sometime in the, I don't know, last month and a half, maybe two months. And, uh, uh, but I hadn't seen someone sort of, uh, post a, a walkthrough of how to do it. And, uh, boy, it looks pretty easy to me. And, and you're right. I mean, the money's real. I mean, for a big company, obviously, or medium sized company, it doesn't matter. But if it's just you launching a project, it's a way to save, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks at least. Yeah, you still. So it looks like I just. You definitely still have to have the Heroku SSL endpoint. Um, but you know, if even that, that's only twenty bucks a month. So if you know, you stay went with my route and went with the you know fifteen dollars a month expedited, and yeah, so that's like one hundred eighty bucks, like two hundred bucks, like you said. And if it's just a side project for you, um, and you know, you're maybe making nothing or you know, very very small amount of money. Um, it's a, it's a good little hack around. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like maybe it's stupid that I've gone to all the work that I have to get around or to to pay for SSL. When on if you're on Heroku, you could just go to your whatever dot Heroku app dot com um, endpoint, and that's SSL. And like, like I I know it. I don't know. I probably have the same reason that you and other people do, which is that it just feels a little hacky and amateurish. But I wonder if anyone really cares. Yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe not. I think. I think domains are going to change over the next number of years. Um, on, a, on a few of my projects, I've, you know, told my clients, you know, it doesn't your, your domain doesn't matter, your logo doesn't matter. You know, present your nice big bold logo when you land there, and then once you start scrolling, get it out of the way. You know, it, it, or it don't have it at all. Um, people know where they are, and um, you know, people still. I have a .co domain for my personal email and. Every once in a while, do you mean .com? I was like, nope, I mean .co. And, uh, but those reactions have gotten less and less over the last couple of years. Yeah, I think so, too. I'll, I'll talk about Toggle later, but uh, Toggle's URL is toggle.pro, which I think is so nice. So like sometimes I see a, a URL like that. I'm like, oh, man, that's just great. Um, but but maybe, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't matter so much. I'm Even those sure. really neat new ones like .club and... Um, you know, dot photography. At first, people made fun of them, but I've actually seen some pretty cool implementations of products that are like there was there was one that came out today that was a dot club, and I was like, it was a music related one. And I was like, oh, like that makes sense. I even told my kids about one today. So uh, Nick Coranto, who works for Thirty Seven Signals that I had on before, he runs something called Pickaxe Club on the weekends, which is a uh, like a Minecraft server. I think it's a like a survival server that is. Uh, uh, they, they've made quite the quite the world out of it. It's got a subway system and a map. You know, it's it's really something else. But anyways, he calls it Pickaxe Club, and I think that's the URL, which I think is just perfect. Um, way better than if it was pickaxe.com. Pickaxe.club is just ideal. I just yeah, that's exactly what it is. I just googled it. Yeah, just just it's, so fun. It's it's clean. Yeah. All right. So the other uh, the other so I saw that uh, that post from Robots thoughtbot.com and liked that. I saw another one today that I liked, which was they had what was kind of a simple blog post, but from back in 2012 about testing your factories first, which I thought was actually kind of clever. The basic ideas, they put like one spec in their Rails project, which 
um, runs through all the factories that you've registered and make sure that, that if you just called like build name of the factory dot valid, that it's valid, you know, that it's valid. And, uh, and that was sort of part one of the blog post. And then part two of the blog post was, um, recommending that you, um, have that spec run first before you run the other ones so that it fails first. And like, I'm kind of indifferent on that one. I think that, that, that doesn't matter a lot to me because I'm not generally running the entire test suite on a project. You know, I, I do that in between things, but I'm sort of focused on one file than the whole project. But I like the idea that you have a single spec that, that tests all the factories. And I, I thought it was a good idea on how to do it. So. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. Like, um, we're, I'm running, you know, one or two files throughout the day or, th- you know, while I'm working on a specific feature. Um, but at least with my day job, as soon as I have to run that whole suite, it kills me. Uh, we, we have what's it on our, our spec side, we have like 20,000 tests. Uh, (laughs) that's a lot of tests. It's it's a really old app and, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty animate about testing here. Um, we're the definition of a monolith app. Uh, so having 20,000 tests seemed cool when I first started, like, oh, neat. And now, like, it takes, like, 10 minutes to run in parallel. Now, do you find that it actually is still getting the job done? Oh, absolutely. Um, well, I, that's not that bad then, really. Yeah. It, I, what I'd love to do is um, we're just kind of on an updated stack. And so uh, for us, a CI server just isn't an option right now. Hmm. Uh, no, why not? Um, so f- the, the, the biggest reason is we're on a really old version of MySQL. Uh, so CodeShip doesn't allow customized builds. Uh, CI server does, uh, same with, um, Travis, but they both use newer versions of Linux distros that don't have our version of MySQL in the, uh, um, in the packages. So you have to switch out your version of apt-get and all these things. And, um, it was, it was just becoming a ridiculous thing. And, uh, so it was like one of those, we, we put it on the back burner until, uh, we complete some of those upgrades, which we're uh, on the cusp of doing now. So this is a good segue. I'm going to do the code ship ad right now, just because it's in context. What the hell? You mind if I intermingle our our ad with our content? I'm okay with that. I like code ship. They're nice guys over there. I agree. <coughs> um, okay, so. <laughs> Cue the music. Uh, CodeShip's a free continuous delivery service that's really simple to use. They offer 100 builds per month for five private projects for free. The whole product also has a big focus on usability, simple to get up and running. You can set up continuous integration in a few easy steps, and your software will automatically deploy when all your tests have passed. CodeShip has great support for multiple languages and test frameworks. You can easily integrate with GitHub and Bitbucket for code hosting and then deploy to cloud services or your own servers. Start out with their free plan. Setup only takes three minutes. Find CodeShip at CodeShip.com slash 5x5Ruby and use the offer code 5x5Ruby to get 20% off any plan for three months. You can also check out their blog at blog.codeship.com to get updates. And, uh... I'm actually, I, I've really fallen in love with them in the last year. I, I, uh, I kind of can't get over how nice of an improvement it is to have a good CI set up, uh, in your workflow just for something simple, like having a staging server, right? Like, like I just set one up yesterday, actually, where a new project where I wanted to make sure from day one, we had a staging server that was mirroring master all the time. And man, is it easy? 
yeah, it's something we desperately need over here. Um, it's something we all want, and it's something... Um, it's, we're in agreement. it's just one of those time things. But I really feel like in the last year, um, maybe it's just me maturing as a developer, but the CI server, servers become like a standard in any project. If, if there's not a CI server in place when I show up, it's kind of my first question is, why isn't there? And um, if sometimes questions, the answer to that question is as simple as, well, you know, it just didn't make, make sense and there are, it doesn't support our stack. And other times it's, Oh, we just never thought to do it, and as soon as you do it, you know you fall in love with it, and um, it's kind of it's it's definitely uh, a lifesaver, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I mean, I think so not only because of the you know make sure you don't deploy busted stuff to production, but it's also great because of the continuous deployment angle, and it's great for things like you know other workflows related to your overall sort of, you know, constellation of environments like a staging setup. It's, it's nice. Yeah, we're, we we don't really have a staging server at the moment. We kind of broke it a week ago. Uh, we're in the middle of upgrading our entire, um, what we call our golden image, so new version of Linux, um, you know, switching over to RVM, like all these kind of core infrastructure things, and they put it on a staging server to test, and they tested it, but they never really got it back to the point where it's usable for everybody again, and... Uh, uh, and then a, a bunch of our stuff lives inside of a Facebook app, and setting up Facebook and staging is kind of a a weird thing. And we, uh, yeah, it's definitely like I see it on our whiteboard. It's something we're going to do soon is get a real staging environment, so we can we can test things before we deploy, and we don't have to you know push out these you know these big releases and then you know quickly you know send out a patch release because something isn't doesn't work the same on our production servers as it did on our local hosts. Yeah. Well, it's, it's tough when you're on a, on an old sort of stack like you are too. the, the likelihood that something is going to go wrong between your development machine and, and your production servers just goes up like a rocket. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, it's pretty good. And that's where testing's really become a key for us. But, uh, um, every, everything else, you know, Facebook just does weird things sometimes and we just can't predict it. And, and or you know uh, actually the one that did get us is we started using SVGs on a lot of stuff uh, and we did a whole project where we switched over to SVGs uh, and our version of Apache didn't support SVGs uh, <laughs> so it was like why don't the images work why are they all broken and oh because Apache doesn't support SVGs so we had to fix that real quick and send out a patch update and all was fine I feel so, I like feel that. so stupid about this that. It wouldn't even dawn on me that there's anything on the server side to support with SVG. Like, I mean, it's just a bunch of text, right? What? Is I think it is, but I think it was just a file, like the the encoding, like the, oh, okay. the, the .svg. It just was blacklisted, and um, I know nothing about servers. I know how Heroku works, <laughs> right? And I know how like my old Media Temple instance works. Don't ask me to like. I, I I can't set up like a a cloud server to save my life. Yeah, I'm not that much better. I I can if I had to, I could get like a you know DigitalOcean box up and running and have I can't even do that. But barely, and in like, I would hate myself by the end. It's it, it kind of sucks. Like I I understand like DigitalOcean is so dirt cheap compared to Heroku, like. Um, I don't even want to imagine what it would cost to run. Um, I, I work for Banzatown, and I, I don't want to know what it costs to run, run Heroku. It's, it's just it's astronomical, I, I assume. Um, 
and, I'm, and not, I'm kind of a lover not, though. You know, I, I like personally, like I've, I've gone through the, like I've, I've, I've dated other, other services, but I, I, I think I just love Heroku. I love them too. But, um, if, if you're the one paying the server bill, I think you get some, you get some say in what you use and, you know, ultimately, I, I think there's a point, a tipping scale with Roku. I think once you get to the point where you're spending as much money as as it would on having a full time person, um, maybe it's time to start looking at, at other options. But uh, they've done a really great job, and um, you know, it allows you know when I'm working on a side project or a client project, I don't have to focus on being a DevOps guy. I can focus on being a Rails dev, and that's what my client's paying me to be, not not the server guy. Yeah, I would think that the the sort of tipping point would be somewhere between five and eight grand a month, was where you'd have to start wondering if it if it'd be worth it. But <clears throat> but I mean, a lot, if it's not a consumer app, I mean, you can. There's quite a bit of headroom in that number. Yeah, it really is. Like, um, but even on small stuff, um, you know, I, I I remember doing like side projects back when I was first getting in development. And I had you know a media temple instance at you know, $20 a month that I still pay to this day because I've been too lazy to move a couple of blogs off of there and just, you know, shut it down. Uh, every year I tell myself, I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to shut it down. And, you know, they keep taking my money. But they're, yeah. good, they're good people over there too. Um, but Heroku, you know, it quickly gets up there on, on this little project we just launched. Um, you know, we're already pretty close to 100 bucks a month and there's nothing really fancy about it. You know, just a single dyno and you know, uh, a production level, uh, database database and SSL and okay. You know, we should probably have some error reporting in there and, uh, Oh, quickly or, you know, you're, you're running at a hundred dollars a month. And if you're making some money, it's, it's awesome. But if, if you're spending that kind of money too, or if you're not, if you're, you know, if you're just spending money and for like a free side project that you do, you know, cause you like it, that kind of sucks. Yeah, it definitely sucks. (coughs) Well, all right, so that's my blog of the week is robots.thoughtbot.com, which I'd imagine anyone that listens to this show has read before, but I think it's worth it to follow them on Twitter just to get all of the uh, the articles because they're a lot of them are pretty good. Yeah, I think they they take their they get Fridays to do kind of whatever they want, whether it's a side project or write for the blog, and so it it all depends on kind of who's writing and but you know they're generally a pretty senior team and. Uh, you know, some of the smartest developers I, I know work there. So yeah, I think so. I think it's a little precious sometimes, which I don't love. You know, like everything's just so, and I, I get a little eye rolly at that sometimes. But I think the content's pretty good, so I like to read it. You have uh, any uh, any blogs or or other sources of uh, content that you've been reading you want to recommend? Um, I read a really good article from um, from Yaklin this week, Ben Klein. Over on Medium, um, talking about how the studio's not dead yet, um, and talking kind of about the traditional design studio. And um, I, I hang out with a lot of designers. I follow a lot of designers on, on on Twitter, and so I see these things. And they kind of, you know, I, I used to work for an agency up until uh, about a year ago um, when I kind of made the break, and so I still kind of have a lot of agency friends. And it was a good article. Um, but yeah, it all kind of depends. Like, I don't really have an RSS anymore, so you know, following a specific blog is I just kind of count on what pops up on on Twitter and what people are retweeting and what someone just you know IMs to me or Twitter's kind of magic. It really is for content discovery. I think 
There's nothing else like it. I, I, I don't know what I'd do without it. And Facebook's basically what was on Twitter a week ago. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> it sounded funny to me, but I, yeah. I agree. I think it's amazing. I mean, I just, I, it's amazing what I find every single day on it. All right. My dad, my dad asked me, why do you, you still use Facebook? I'm like, oh, cause it's my it's Buzzfeed and uh, Twitter from a week ago. Yeah. And you know, Hey, if you like with me, if you've got, uh, your family that that's the way to connect to or, or people that you went to high school with or, or whatever, then yeah, then maybe that's the only channel you have to get to them. But. And they can all share their links from a week ago. Yeah. And pictures of kids. Yeah. I'm not quite there. I've got friends from like high school and middle school that like I knew growing up that are now getting married. I'm, I'm just on the cusp of that. So I think kids is the next, the next big thing in the feed. Yeah. Well, kids and pets kind of overwhelm. But I have a bunch of kids and pets, so you know, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the problem on this one. You're guilty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I will throw no stones. All right. Uh, all right, so that's the rake. A little run through some of this week's uh, news and links. So what do you think of that section? Is that a good section to start off with? Yet, uh, I like general? it. I used to guest every once in a while. I don't know if I remember the, the Force podcast from way back, mm-hmm. like in 2011. Um Mike Evans and Kenneth Love were doing that, and they—it was literally just like a link list podcast. It was awesome, um, but we'd, we'd get the we'd kind of put the cut off a couple hours before the the show, and you could go through and kind of see what um, see what links were in there, and you could read them and have an idea. And so, be good if you sent it over a little little early. That's my big thing. Oh yeah, no, I, I will. No, this was I, I'm I'm previewing the format so that I can develop some workflows around it. Workflow is probably a fancy way of saying uh, I will, uh, you know, share a bunch of uh, bookmarks. But anyhow, all right. So uh, let's get on to uh, section two, which is what I'm going to call "Better Bundle," an overview of one interesting gem that I have been uh, using, or that you've been using, that I uh, think that other people may not know about. So, and I'm always amazed that people, you know, at, at the gems that other people know about that I didn't know about. And then I'm like mind blown when they mention it. And, uh, same in reverse. I, I have the, the experience pretty often where you mention something you're using and someone's like, uh, come again. What was that? And it's something you've like relied on for, for multiple things that, that someone else didn't know about. So anyways, I will, uh, I will say mine. You may want to think about yours, Roger, while I'm thinking or while I'm talking about Mine this week is uh, JSON API dash resources, which is a bit of a mouthful, but it's uh, I think it is one of the most exciting Rails libraries that's being kind of actively developed right now. So the gist of it is that it's it's uh, a library that doesn't just give you the serializers that you would need to kind of represent resources in a format that's con- that's consistent with. Uh, or that conforms to the spec, the JSON API spec. But it, it it provides an easy way to actually just expose the entire resource. So both the serializers plus the the controllers, so that you can do the um, creation and updates and sorting and filtering and and basically everything that the JSON API spec uh, describes. In this declarative way, that's just super easy. Like I think it is, I don't think it's quite done yet. It's not really even close to done, but so far so good. And I think it is like the way 
to build a, uh, a Rails API that conforms to the JSON API spec. I think it's so much better than active model serializers because it also handles the controller side. Because otherwise, you've got to write a relatively significant app to to pull off the uh, something that conforms to that spec. So anyways, I, uh, I would highly recommend that if you're into JSON API and if you're doing any sort of split server client uh, apps with Rails in the back end and something like Ember on the front end, it is a home run. Have you seen it before? I haven't. I just looked at it, and it's actually really good timing. Uh, we're starting a new project here at, uh, at Banzatown, and uh, uh, we're trying to figure out how we're going to present our API and looking at all the different tools. And um, um, and so that's, uh, that's, that's good timing. I can bring that up tomorrow morning when we start talking about this for sure. So I'm rallying, so let me try to convince you more then. So I am rallying support around this because I, um, well, I'm quite into Ember right now. So I'm thinking quite a bit about this topic. I really like the JSON API sort of concept. I like the idea of sort of getting rid of the bike shedding around how the API should be designed. And I love, you know, a bunch of smart people getting together together to think that through, which is what that standard is all about. Uh, so I like those two things. <clears throat> I love actually the standard of JSON API. So not just the idea of having a standard, but I think that the standard itself is quite smart and enables, uh, it's kind of like a good balance of having defaults that make sense, but it allows you to, to, to also, uh, you know, sideload the, the related resources in a way that, you know, the, the client may like a bit more or not, depending on whether or not you want to get a faster response or fewer, um, back and forth to the server. So I just sort of like the entire design concept of uh, JSON API. But this this gem in particular is written by uh, uh, brothers actually up in New Hampshire that I'm going to have one of them on coming up in a couple weeks. And I I just think that they're the right the right kind of guys or, or people to, to lead this kind of library. They're super thoughtful and very connected to that standard. And I think it's one to bet on. So anyways... I will definitely uh, definitely have to check that one out. It sounds it sounds good, and it sounds definitely like something we're we need over here. Plus, I submitted three at least. I think I submitted three pull requests to it this week, so I'm feeling all proud of myself. Wow! Look at you, all all open sourcey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I figure I might as well give back when I see an opportunity because I God knows I take enough. Yeah, I'm. I saw a really good tweet from someone over at Ruby Central, um, Sarah May, Sarah Mai, um, and uh, she was like, "There are some people that are great Rails developers, and there are other people that are great at open source and gems." And I'm like, "I'm definitely not an open source and gems guy." Well, because it's not your thing, or because you just don't do it? Um, or just both? I I haven't really dug in. I've I've tried, and you know, I think it's I think a lot of it still is, um, you know, my my lack of experience and, and, you know, I've only been doing rails for, you know, two or three years. And I think it's just like a, it's putting it all out there. It's like, here's some code I wrote. What do you think? I, so it's interesting you put it that way. I, I I'll tell you how, like my progression in that thinking, because it, I had the, the feeling you did for a while, which was, I didn't want to put my code out there. Or at least I felt a little anxiety about it. Um, so maybe I would, or maybe I wouldn't, but I, it didn't feel comfortable. And then I kind of got into the idea 
of re- you know kind of um, releasing libraries as they as I thought of them. So like for example, I I wrote a solver for that game Letterpress that got popular a couple of years ago and put it out there and it got kind of popular and I felt all fancy and I wrote a uh a client for like a, a gender of name guessing service because there wasn't a Ruby client so I wrote one. But recently I I've sort of changed how I think about open source and I'm very like I'm very uh, reluctant to put out a, a new project. I try to just contribute to existing stuff because I think I can help. You know, I, I think that's a way to help a bit more. Maybe I just haven't found something I've fallen, I've fallen in love with yet to, to to really dig my teeth into and really, you know, own, so to say. It's. I tell you what, it's hard to jump into another project. Like, I, it's one of the reasons I'm doing it is that it, it it's a real test of your... Well, I think both your skills uh, on the, the sort of comprehension and programming side, because you're just jumping into a library that you've never seen before and have to figure out how the hell it works. And like, you know, it may use conventions you're not used to or testing framework you're not used to or who knows, right? It may be anything. Um, but I also think it's socially an interesting experience, right? Because like, as much as anything, it's about communicating with the other people that are involved. And I find that, I don't know, I'm kind of into it now. Yeah, I, I think just a lot of my experience has been, you know, in, in at least up until the last kind of six months, a lot of it's been writing Rails. And there's not a lot of Rails-driven open source, but, you know, since since joining Bands in Town, a lot of um, our efforts are in... Our, our, our Rails app is in Rails 2, 3, 18. Hmm. Um, and so uh, it means a lot of the time when you, you go to reach for some, uh, a gem or a tool, it may not be compatible with our stack. And so it means digging into the Ruby and figuring out how it works and abstracting part of it or, you know, just having to straight write it. And uh, it's definitely, as, as much as I was bummed out when I first got here that I couldn't write Rails 4 anymore, um, it's made me, I think, a better programmer. Um, you know, I can't just reach for a gem and shove it in there anymore. It's... It's a lot more thought process, thought driven, and um, I really like it. Yeah, I get that. I mean, if you're frozen in time, then you can't, you know, you, you can't take advantage of the new stuff. Like, well, like JSON API resources would be hard to take advantage of because it there's just no way. It yeah, would... it's, we've got a new. So a lot of what we're trying to do is we realize upgrading our entire Rails app is is going to be really complex, and you know we're we're a, we're a tiny little team. Um, given the size of our application and the size of our user base, um, so the the balance of you know technical debt versus feature development is is a pretty interesting balance around here. And we, uh, but what we're doing to kind of um, battle that is when we do big new features, we try and break them out into new applications and um, are trying to get away from this monolith Rails app. So uh, today I actually got to write Rails new for a project that's actually going to go into production. So that was... <laughs> oh, <first>. yeah. <laughs> that's, like, the best feeling. Which, like, consultants and, like, people that, like, freelance are, like, oh, I do that all the time. But when you work for, like, a company, it's, like, you don't write that at all. Yeah, it is pretty exciting. I think it's exciting to do that, to spiff up your gem file, to... I'm into getting the readmes nice right now. So, you know, that fresh project where you document exactly, like, what the... You know what the build steps are. I, it's it's very it's very it's fun. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know how much time you spend on them. I try to do readmes to the level 
of your readmes, and it just doesn't happen. Readmes are good. Readmes are great. If you can write a good readme, um, serious serious props. I, I've heard other people say this, but I I don't know who, so I'll just rip it off. Like I think readme driven development is really smart, where you write the you know at least you write some of the readme on something first. And uh, and then sort of work backwards, uh, especially in an API. I think that's that's quite good. Yeah, like I I, 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 I uh, recently implemented a like an OAuth two provider solution on an app I was working on, and uh, that sounds I, painful. I know. Well, that's exactly how I thought about it. It just felt awful, but I, I didn't even know why. Because at this point, it's not like there's any one f- feature that the building of which is all that rough. Like, I mean, you know, if if you add up enough of them or you're in a time crunch or whatever, things can be difficult, but like, you know, no one thing's ever that hard. And I don't know why OAuth 2 felt like it was that one thing that was going to be really hard, but it really wasn't. And it was a matter of like the the way that I solved my phobia around it was I just wrote, I, I learned up about sort of the right way to do it. And then I wrote the readme for a user of this API. Like, you know, what do you do to take advantage of this in a friendly way? And I actually like understood how it worked after that. And also had an idea of, of as a user, what I'd need to care about. And it really made the development much more smooth. So I recommend it. Yeah. Sweet. It's also good to think about that. You're working with people too, right? Like the readme's for like, I mean, I suppose that the tests are for people too, but even more so the readme's for people. So, yeah, we, we, I find a lot of the stuff that gets documented here ends up in Google Docs, uh, which works because we just share them throughout the company. And um, I think a lot of it was, um, again, one, oh, man, I'm just, I'm, we're never going to be able to hire a Bansetown after people listen to this podcast. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, but, you know, some people are into the, are into digging through old code. Yeah. So when I joined, we didn't have GitHub, we had a Git server. Um, that was privately hosted, and, and it worked. It was good for what we used it for, which was deploying code and um, and keeping a backup of it. Um, and with the way we did code reviews was um, we would kind of all pile around uh, one computer, and you know, you'd walk through your code, which was fantastic. Um, and I kind of miss, but we, we're now on GitHub, and so we're kind of moving stuff over into pages in there and into readme's and um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's interesting to come into a company where it's, you know, people have been there for, you know, the, when I got here, the, the two developers that were kind of, they, uh, that were still here, um, the one learned to develop here and the other guy had been here for five years. So what's not broken, don't fix it, uh, was kind of his mentality. And so, you know, the three guys, including myself that came in afterwards, we introduced a lot of new tools and processes and, um, it's been, it's been really great to kind of help shape that and bring my favorite things from my favorite places I've worked and seen that people use and put them into practice. All right. That's a good segue. So remember we're in the better bundle segment of the show. I said, Jason, API dash resources. What's in your better bundle? Um, I was trying to think of a good jam that I've stumbled across recently. Um, I'm using this service called Clearbit right now um, hmm. for, for so I'm kind of helping quasi organize a conference with Dan Petty called Epic Currents and kind of the next 
it started off as just kind of like a interested. I have a pile of names. I have a pile of emails. What can I? What interesting thing could I do with this? And we'll see what comes of it. But uh, Clearbits are really. I don't know if you remember. There was. I think they were called Spokio. Um, they're they're actually really creepy. Spokio is really creepy. Um, but it was. You, you put oh in, yeah, I know what Spokio name, is. Yeah. You put in like your name or your email, and you know they spit out a lot more information than you'd like about yourself. Um, oh, I, I saw this clear bit the other day. I saw someone mention it. Oh, I'm, so tell me all about it. I'm, I'm excited to, to hear. Yeah, so, so it's founded by um, Alex McCaw, who um, I think he was at Twitter at one point. Um, I know for sure he was at Stripe. That's kind of where I discovered him, and just a fantastic developer. And what's really neat about it is you can put in someone's email, uh, and you get back in a JSON response all sorts of things, as, mu- as many things as they can figure out. So anything from their Twitter bio to their Twitter links to avatars to, you know, all these little things. And so um, if you're developing a web application, it could be a really great way as part of your sign-up flow is, like, once you have their email, you know, present these things as options as kind of like, hey, you know, here's your, your profile photos already there, your, your bio is already pre-populated. And then for us is, you know, for this conference, we've only collected emails and so it's kind of a way to potentially share kind of who's going um you know i've started kind of taking these emails and seeing getting people's twitter names and you can do all this stuff manually but it's it's just a really nice uh api and it's it's he's got a gem and um again like alex alex mccaw is is uh the next level uh I don't want to get confused with the wrong person, but I think he also wrote the little book of CoffeeScript, and he wrote a book for O'Reilly on CoffeeScript. So he's like a CoffeeScript guru, and then this current project is all—it's um, all Sinatra. He's a big Sinatra guy. Hmm. Uh, he got me hooked on it. Um, I, I, whenever I have a little app, I try and go for Sinatra. But um, yeah, definitely, if you haven't checked out Clearbit, you know it's—it's it's definitely worth signing up, and it, it's expensive. For sure, um, but it, it, you get fifty free emails per month or fifty free lookups per month, um, just for signing up. So it's kind of cool just to sign up and play around with uh, even just the curl requests and search your own name and see how much you can find out about yourself with not a lot of effort. Now, how high is the creep factor on this one? Not a lot because it's like they don't have my address, they don't have my phone number. Like it's just stuff that I've publicly made available and. They've gone through the way of, I assume, building scrapers to put the stuff together in, in a in a nice consent format. Um, Spokio is creepy. Like Clearbit, awesome and cool. Um, Spokio, just straight creepy. So it doesn't trigger your like, oh man, that's a little bit too far. No, not at all. Button. Like um, it, it's like I'm just pulling up the docs real quick. Um, yeah, the, the only it, 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 they've got some like the gender thing could get kind of weird for people. Um, I assume they're using something similar to what you did with kind of looking at the name and taking a, a guess. Um, you know, it's just your Facebook, your GitHub, kind of where you work based on that stuff. Um, your LinkedIn, about me, kind of anything, anything that you know you've published. Really, not 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 like. I'm not going to find my address in here, which is which is good. I'm not going to find my social security number. You know, nothing nothing that bad. So it's Spokio bad, clear bit good. Well, it sounds like I mean, it sounds like a a good potential add-on to a project, depending on what you need to do. Yeah, they also have a company API for 
looking up company stuff, which I haven't played around with, and then I see a watch list API. Oh, which is the U.S. Office of Foreign Assets Control. Uh, right. So hopefully you don't find your name on that list. Stay off that list, exactly. Yeah, that list is a bad one to be on. Cool. All right, so there's our better bundle. I've got JSON API resources. You've got Clearbit. Those are, I think, two good ones. All right, let me do uh, let me do the second uh, sponsor for today. So this was a new sponsor a week or two ago. They were called Thinkful, and uh, Thinkful like T H I N K F U uh, L. So let me tell you about them. I- I'm actually going to jump out of what they sent me and go right to their website because I think their website describes quite uh, quite well why you may want to be interested or may want to take a-, a deeper look at what they're all about. So go to thinkful.com slash rails podcast. I'm going to just excerpt a little bit of the uh, the content from there. So with Thinkful, you can learn how to program uh, in a number of things, but including Ruby on Rails. Uh, here's what they say. Learn to program full-stack web applications and host them on Heroku. Understand the architecture of Rails applications and gain the skills needed to build a minimum viable product. Uh, here's the Thinkful advantage. So their classes are online and they can be accessed from anywhere in the world. On uh, your path to becoming a developer, you get mentorship from a professional developer and join an active community of other learners. Gain access to step-by-step guidance and achieve your learning goals. Uh, A few interesting bullets. They've got weekly mentor sessions held by a Google Hangouts. Uh, The curriculum is is quite structured uh, and uh, has built-in guidance so you won't get lost. It won't feel kind of willy-nilly. You get daily access to mentors through open office hours that are published and consistent and uh, uh, the projects that you'll uh, perform as a student there are designed to help you build a good portfolio. So if you are interested in either learning how to program in Ruby on Rails or maybe going from basic skills up uh, to a bit more of an intermediate level, uh, check them out. You get 10% off if you go to that URL that I mentioned, thinkful.com slash rails podcast. Thanks to them for sponsoring. How did you learn how to code? Was it a, a program or, or college or yourself? Um, for me, it was a lot of myself, and I did a couple of internships that really helped. Um, I wish someone, at one of our support staff, was asking kind of how to learn how to code. And there's so much more. There's so many more resources now than there were even, you know, you know, two and a half, three years ago. Uh, when I was getting into Rails, like the the tools up there now, if if you want to learn to code, um, and you're serious about it, like three six months, um, you can definitely be well on your way. I think the whereas we as an industry have to really um, kind of step up to the plate is take these people that are um, six months in and be willing to take them under our wing and really help get them to that that next level. And um, I, I think. It's it's a hard sell in a in a company, you know, in a traditional structure because they're like, okay, so we're gonna maybe get a full time employee out of this if they work hard enough. But to me, it's it's an investment back into a community that's given you know uh, us an amazing. It's given us all jobs, and um, you know, I think I think something like this is awesome, especially if you're you want to ask questions and have someone to work with. So maybe Treehouse isn't for you, or you know, there's so many. Um, you know, I'm I'm really jealous that 
there's all these tools now. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, there's there's always more to learn, I guess. Although the the learning tools really are pretty good from like n- new programmer up to intermediate. Beyond that, you're kind of <laughs> you're on your own to some degree. Uh, yeah, it's it's really getting from that like um, that junior to intermediate level. I think is the hardest the hardest gap. It's pretty it's pretty hard to have a clue as to what you're doing beyond the beginner stuff. Yeah, I think that that's accurate. Right, because I mean, it, I think that the, the way that I would define that is: can you get thrown into a situation where the problem hasn't been defined clearly for you, and get out the other side with a solution? which requires both coming up with what the problem was in the first place plus the solution. And cuz most of the, you know, most of the educational experiences you have the problem is relatively well defined and that's just not the case in your, you know, that's not the case once you're out in the real world. So, I think that's a pretty hard transition to make, but uh I don't know a better way to do it than just start. So, yeah, truly, you just got to do it. Yeah. All right, so we did the rake, which is the run through the week's news. Better bundle, I think. Better bundle is a pretty good bit. You think that that's one to keep? Oh yeah, heck yeah, that's yeah. that's original. Like I, I don't see any. Like, it's a it's a programming podcast, and there's some practical programming advice right in there. <laughs> yeah, what the hell, right? <laughs> I think that one of the, I think the most common, uh, or, or at least one of the categories, of the most common feedback I get are th- those sorts of comments where someone's like, oh, you know, you mentioned. Or someone mentioned some something that I, I would assume people knew about, um, and they hadn't heard of it before. And then all of a sudden, they they started to use it. So, anyways, all right. So uh, uh, a couple more sections. Uh, one more, and then I, I want to hear about Epic Currents because it sounds interesting. So uh, I added add-on machine, uh, which is an overview of a paid tool or service that may be worth it. Now you've been you've been plugging all sorts of tools that may be worth it. I think um, from the add-on at Heroku to do the SSL to Clearbit, um, uh, so I think you've contributed pretty nicely to this section. My uh, my entry for the add-on machine this week was Code Climate, <coughs> which I assume a lot of people use, but I don't know. Have you ever used Code Climate? Yeah, I have. Um, I'll let you say your bit and. Maybe that will sway my opinion about it. Okay. I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk poorly of those guys. Okay. Well, I will. So I will uh, talk out of both sides of my mouth because that was my experience. So back when Code Climate first came out, I signed up, just you know, just to whatever, just to see what it was like. And you can use it for. So the idea of Code Climate is that it's automated, static, analysis. So. You know, kind of like CI for static analysis, I, I guess is the way that I'd say it, with uh, some uh, some things wrapped around RuboCop to provide, or maybe not just RuboCop, but RuboCop and other things to provide uh, sort of a grading scale of, of your code plus, uh, I don't know, spot um, security issues. Or at least that's what it is now. At, at first, it was a little bit more limited than that. And anyway, so I signed up, and I thought it was kind of okay, but then quickly I got the value I, th- I thought that I was going to get out of it. And, you know, the code wasn't changing that quickly, and I said, oh, I don't think it'd be worth it to spend whatever the amount was a month, like 50 or 100 bucks for the team to, to have it, because it just didn't seem like things were changing quickly enough to have it be worth it. So then I, because I, I think I had signed up for uh, the company. So I... I uh, canceled that. And then I heard from Mike Bernstein 
who works there, and he kind of gave me the pitch as to why I should uh, rejoin. And they had added some things. Uh, I, I gave some feedback that they actually responded to and added, added some uh, specific features related to the feedback that I'd given. So I signed back up. Anyways, long story short, I actually, I actually think it's worth it. Even though my original impression about it not changing that, like that, that I don't feel like it gives me ton of value every day. Uh, I think that that was right about that. Like that, that has been the case, but I think over the course of like one to four weeks, I get a lot of value. Plus I feel like it's a, and the, the reason in particular is that I feel like I've, I've got a pair that's sort of along for the ride when I'm programming, programming on things myself. Like where at any point in time, if I want a little bit of feedback on something to work on or just reinforcement that something that I wrote is designed the right way or scanning for security concerns, it's sort of like, it's sort of like having a pair without having a pair, uh, on, on sort of code complexity and style and security issues. So anyways, in the end, I decided that I liked it, but what's your gripe about it? I, my biggest thing was it was a paid service that was telling me where I was a crappy developer. Uh, <laughs> and I've been on projects, and I, it's actually kind of funny. Um, I did some freelance work with Josh Smith earlier this year, or I guess last year now. Um, and so I got put into the, the code climate stuff, and I've actually since been, I'm off the project, and I'm out of the, the GitHub repos, but I still get the emails. About it. <laughs> That's funny. I remind him every once in a while. I was like, "Hey, you should take me out of these emails." Um, and uh, every once in a while, he'll he'll go down a grade. He'll go from C to D, and I'll give him a hard time about it. And so, um, from that perspective, it's good. I think we we want to implement it on our code base at Banza Town. Um, there's parts of the code that just don't get touched anymore. Stuff that's out of date and just straight wrong. Um, and um, but I just I've installed it before and I just haven't found the value personally and you know I definitely um, I maybe it's gotten better you know I, I haven't installed it and and used it on an app that I'm working on constantly in you know two two and a half years. Oh, it's gotten a lot better since then. Well, wow. yeah, no, I think that if that's so, because I I kind of came and went and went back. Um, in that time period, kind of like what you're describing. And, and I'm quite impressed by how much they've changed, actually. Like, they integrated the security stuff, which I thought was nice. They uh, the, the branch comparison features are pretty nice. Um, it's got um, the co- uh, test coverage integration now. So if you've got a CI server, it's super easy to hook that up so that you, in, you have in an integrated way test coverage, which is pretty nice. I don't know. I think it's worth it. I... It's interesting. I think that they're kind of brave because they price it at a level that is higher than you think they could, given how much you pay for other services. Like I think about how much value I get out of GitHub as an example, which is like a ton. Like I love GitHub, and then I and I pay them less than I pay Code Climate, which I don't get as much value out of as compared to GitHub. But in the end, I decided that that really that's just that GitHub isn't charging me as much as it could. Not that Code Climate was charging too much. <laughs> Right, yeah, I, I definitely think you know because I, I think that a lot. It's like I just upgraded my personal account from seven dollars a month that I've been paying for, you know, ever to twelve dollars a month. And I was like, that's not so bad. Okay, like, I'm okay. I'm okay with that jump. Um, I, I think they're really going after the enterprise versus you know someone like Code Climate is you know I think they're a team of four or five dudes that are writing really great code and building a really great service. And if you find value in it, pay for it and. Um, 
they're they're I, I think they're bootstrapping it. I don't yeah, know if they're any money. Not anymore. <laughs> they sold out. Yeah. <laughs> so they are no longer three dudes and they no longer are bootstrapped, but which is maybe <laughs> which is maybe why the the you know, the product has improved a lot more. I think they've got more resources now. But anyways. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> but you, uh, it's, I, I just went to their site real quick, um, and the, on codeclimate.com slash pricing, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, right underneath the, the, I guess, what, what do you call it? The testimonial. I signed up yesterday and got my money's worth, Sean Devine. Oh, that's funny, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, they're listening. <laughs> yeah. They're like, refresh, refresh, before they go there. <laughs> that cracks me up. Yeah. yeah. No, I think, uh. Yeah, I think that they're. I think they're worth it, and and I find them fascinating because I think that they, I think the fact that the, the, uh, the pricing is kind of on the edge of what I think is is maybe what it's worth. I find fascinating because maybe it shows that other people aren't charging as much as they could. Maybe yeah, I don't know. I, I think we we talked about using it here, and all our developers were really psyched on it. We're like, yeah. And then you know, it's kind of ask for the credit card from from the the boss man, and he's like, two hundred dollars. For that, uh, <laughs> let's let's talk about this. Right, let's have a meeting where we spend two hundred bucks talking about it. <laughs> he won't listen to this. Right now, no, not this far in at least. No, definitely not. He'll he'll <laughs> wait to see if I say anything bad about him in the beginning. Yeah, no, we're in the safe part. You could you could you could call him names at this point. All right. So speaking of names, so. uh so anyways, so that was add-on machine. Okay, so so let's re- recap. So the rake you liked, better bundle you liked. Uh, you like add-on machine? You like like sort of talking about the pay-for stuff for a little second? Yeah, I think that's great because, um, and especially in the last year with Product Hunt becoming such a prevalent part of, you know, the sites. You know, I used to check Hacker News every day, and now I check Product Hunt every day. Um, and some sometimes things like this slip through slip through your fingers, um, and I like it. I always like hearing about cool new services and. You often find really great new developers to follow. You know, there's often these services are one or two man shops that are, you know, just doing it and taking a go at it. How do you feel about Product Hunt? Um, I have mixed feelings about it, depending mm. on the day. Um, <laughs> like, was, like, how are you feeling now about Product Hunt? Well, I clicked on it, like, today, and I was like, why, why am I reading this? Like, <laughs> I had that. So that's basically where I am now with Product Hunt, which is, like, I, what, what's wrong? What, where did I go wrong? What I really think it's great for is when I'm like, I need something to do this. And I think that's what they're going to end up becoming. They're going to become a product database. It's going to be less about this link list every day and the upvotes and da-da-da-da-da. Like, that's cool. Um, Ryan Hoover, if you're listening, please please don't take this as a personal thing. But what I really think it's going to become about is the collections and being able to search, like, I don't know, if I search, like, learn iOS on here right now. Like, but I think they I think they think that though, from what I can tell. Yeah, I don't know what to to say about what they think and um you know, everyone says, Oh, I've launched on product hunt to my my companies, you know, we 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 were profitable day one because of it. And I'm like, Well, maybe if you'd had a that may have been it or may may not. But yeah, product hunt is um it's I don't know. I look at some of the stuff on there some days and I'm like Cool story, bro. Now, I do feel like it's an... E- so I'm not interested in, like, the comment chatter, but I... No, neither am I. I am interested in... I feel like it's the easy way for me to, like, 
check out what's new in in design trends on apps, which I like. That's cool. Yeah, I can see that. Because that's uh, it's not really my thing, but I I don't you know I'd like to stay up on uh, what people are doing and get ideas for for features or for concepts that you know uh, that are would be new to the world generally, but not new to the cutting edge. You know, so I don't know. I kind of like it for that. Yeah, I can see that. I but I do feel a little. Like I feel like I need it. There needs to be a version of product on this. Would be fun to build because they've got a uh, API, I think, to expose everything now that they just released. Like a like product hunt for adults, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is like all the stuff that that because it's got a lot of redeeming stuff. Like you said, the collections are good. Like like it's a very interesting database. But like I don't want I, I don't want to like wade through the the. The, sort of the bro culture around it. But I think like you could strip that out super easy and just present the, the good stuff. Yeah. I, I'll be interested to see what they do. Cause you know, a year ago it was just Ryan's idea and you know, now they've taken some funding and actually I think they've taken a serious amount of funding. I think it's a lot. It was like, I think it was like a million and a half or oh, 2 million. I was I like, I think more than that. I was like, uh, all right, what are you guys going to do with a couple million Dollars, I guess, pay your Heroku bill. But um, you I, know, I don't know. I hope a, they do good things. A guy that I really like on Twitter, uh, I forget his last name, Mike. Uh, he went to work there, and I like him, so I'm rooting for him for that reason. Yeah, I, you know, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens to them in you know another year. Seven point five million, by the way. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I knew it was a much bigger number than that. But I like, know there are people building really great tools that take way less money. Like, um, I look at the guys from last, last co, um, they're, um, what is that? I don't even know. Uh, it's ex Gowala. So it's kind of the, the crew from Gowala is getting back together. Um, and they're building some cool, like travel based stuff. Um, and they took like $2 million in funding. And I'm like, they haven't even announced what they're doing, but I can guarantee it's going to be kind of useful. Um, Versus, I don't know what product hunt is going to end up. I don't know, seven and a half million dollars. It's a lot of money. That's a lot. Yeah, because a million's not all that much. I mean, especially for like a consumery popular thing. No, and but you know, but if you think about it, if you have like four or five employees for, um, you know, two million for four or five employees will get you a couple of years if you're smart with it. Or, but seven and a half means you can throw hackathons. <laughs> what what <laughs> yeah all right so i'm not sure if we gave them like a lot of compliments or insulted them there uh, it, 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 it's both we're with the verdicts out <laughs> that's right <laughs> i don't know i think i mean i i guess that if i was to compare them to all the other things that i've seen launched in the last three years i like them more because i do occasionally go and that's not true for most things uh, yeah it, it's definitely good I feel like right now in the comments it's all like marketing people and I don't like marketing people. And if you're a marketing person listening to this, like don't take it personally. It's it's not you. It's all of you. That would be a fun – I think a, a fun idea is this whole like product hunt, just the good stuff. Like, you know, it'd be that'd be a fun weekend hack to do with other people. Like just take the take the, the greasiness out of product. Yeah, hunt. get it sent to me as an email. Like once a week, put it in my inbox. I know. All right, so let's talk about you. This is a, 
what I'm going to call human after all interview (laughs) with a fine member of the community like Rigel. So you launched this cool project this week or last week. Yeah, about a week ago now. And and I'd love to say it's all me, but it's a lot of it's Dan Petty. Um, Dan Petty's a fantastic designer, um, worked for a lot of great companies and, uh, I was working on him with him on a, another project uh, last year, and in one of the issues, he mentioned uh, this conference of recurrence and didn't really say much more. But I was like, "Oh, Dan's planning a conference. I want to be involved in some way." And uh, um, I, I was like, "Dan, tell me more about this." And uh, and what you see is is it's just fantastic. Um, so it sounds amazing. It's so if I read it right, it's a three-day, mostly skiing and snowboarding with some design and programming and partying. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the gist of it. Um, I mean, it kind of cuts to the chase. It doesn't really... When, it, when Dan when Dan first brought it to me, um, I was like, oh, sweet, like a way to get my company to pay for a ski trip. He's like, yep, uh, that's exactly it. But there's so much more than that, like... Um, when I, when I, when you asked me to be on the podcast, I hit him up just to like clarify, I was like, I'm going to go talk about Epic Currents, probably some other stuff, but are you okay with this? He's like, yep, yeah, but just make sure you don't give away all the good stuff yet. Um, it, it's, it's, oh, you it's have, been, you have surprises. We have lots of surprises, um, uh, surprises I didn't even know about. Um, and I would like to know about cause they're going to involve internet things. Yeah, uh, you can't say them or else they're not a surprise I, uh, anymore. And I know he's going to buzz through the podcast looking looking for it. So Dan, if I say anything wrong, you can you can push me off the chairlift. Uh, but yeah, it's just a, it's a chance to get away with um, some really really great people. Um, it, it's not an emphasis on talks, um, and even the talk format is going to be a little bit different than kind of what you would expect um, from from most conferences. Um, and it's, you know, you, you look at most conference websites and it's like, you know, anywhere from, you know, 10 to 20 speakers uh, at a design conference. And we have four. Um, and we're, we're going to get, we've, we've rented a couple of houses up in, um, in, in Tahoe. Uh, and we're going to go up there and, you know, just kind of hang out. And some of the people going are, are some of my favorite designers. Um, so for me, I look at the list and I'm like, I am not worthy. Like this is, this is such a talented group of people. And, um, I like, I, I, you know, being from Canada, I, I love snowboarding and, um, I, I imagine there's going to be some beer. I like beer and, uh, I like Dan. Dan's a good guy. Um, but the site, the site as a whole, if we want to talk about it, like from a rails aspect. Yeah, sure. Kind of, so what did it include? Um, so this, when I saw the design, I was like, Oh, that's really easy. Uh, that's going to be a pinch to build. Uh, and I had, I think 12 days to turn it around on top of getting back from vacation. Uh, new year's Eve was in there. Um, which being 23 involves two days of recovering post new year's Eve. Um, and, and you're, getting, you're only 23. I am only 23. Oh man. Oh, young guy. Um, maybe I shouldn't have shared that. Now people are going to be ageist against me. Um, no, but, I think uh, I, no, I think that that's. I mean, I don't know. What's the average Rails programmer? Like twenty six or something? Uh, like twenty. In our office, I'm definitely the youngest. Um, my intern's older than me, <laughs> um, but I also skipped the whole college thing, and uh, I think I think I'm a bit of an anomaly. But yeah, it's definitely like twenty twenty four twenty five is kind of the the average. 
I'd say, and in, in, in the companies I, I've worked for. Um, but yeah, from a technical point, like I looked at design, I was like, oh, sweet, super simple, responsive site. Nope, nothing great about this site at all. Um, and so it was a, it was a, it was a challenging front end build, which for someone who mostly spends his days in Rails now was, was nice. And, um, and Dan being a designer, it was such an emphasis on, you know, pixel perfect, um, and, and it breaking down in a certain way. Um, and so, you know, I spent the first, you know, 10, 11 days focusing on that side of things versus the rails. And originally I was going to do it with Sinatra and pipe everything through to Google Forms, not really have a backend, store it in a database as kind of a backup, um, but it really be, you know, super lightweight. And last minute I was like, I don't have time to try and screw around with Sinatra. Uh, rails, here I come. I feel like Sinatra is the best salesperson for rails there is. I really do. Like, you know, like, hey, you, you think you don't need Rails? Use Sinatra. Then tell me. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's definitely was the, it would have been the right, this would have been an appropriate choice for Sinatra, um, by, by and far. Um, now looking at what we're planning on doing, um, I'm really glad I didn't. And, uh, to save some time. But, uh, yeah, so it's, what's, what's cool is it's, um, it's not actually a form. Um, it's a form-esque thing, and really it should have probably been an Ember app of some kind. And in retrospective, the more I think about it, it's like, oh, man, if I had like, if I'd planned a little bit up front, this could have been so much better technically. I look at the commit that I we deployed with and started taking payment, and I'm embarrassed by it. Like, <laughs> that's, all, I, that's the nature of commits, I think. Oh, man, it's just I, I had Stripe code in my controller. Like, my controller, <laughs> it was one controller for everything. <laughs> like, like, not even, like, one controller. Like, one method. There was, there was, there was, there was a new, there was a new and a create. Um, well, you and, know, there has been a lot of buzz about server-side single-page applications, so maybe you're just ahead of yours, you know, ahead of things. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely <laughs> one, that. One file. Oh, man, it was, it was so bad. I was, I, I was, like, I was so scared the thing was going to break, and you know, the people attending this conference are, you know, guys that work at, like, our designers at Google Ventures or at, you know, really what I think of, when I think of design agencies, like basic agency that did the new Nixon site, like, these are people I look up to, and they're all looking at my work. Um, you know, uh, Mark Hammond, who's at North. So, you know, I'm sure Kevin Rose saw this at some point. And, like, these are all, like, you know, nerd heroes of mine. Uh, and... It did. It, it's only broken a couple of times, uh, and it was in just stupid little mistakes. And uh, um, is there someone else we can blame these on? No, definitely me. Uh, <laughs> you. Come I on. have all the keys to the kingdom. It's, <laughs> it's 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 scary how much control I have over this this site. Uh, but it, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be really fun. Um, I wish there was more I could say about it than it was. It's going to be fun. Uh, I think we still have a couple of spots left. It looks super uh, nice on the phone, by the way. I hadn't looked on my phone until you, when you said responsive. I said, "Oh, I've got to, I've got to open it up on my phone and see what it looks like." Um, boy, does it look nice! Really nice. Thank you. That's. Uh, I, I was. I was take, working. Take the, the credit. Hour. I was t- working to the eleventh hour on that. Um, I had to be up in LA for meetings. Um, a couple of weeks or last week when we launched, and I literally the entire ride up to LA, I was pairing off of my phone uh, in the front seat. You know, my my 
coworkers driving and I'm working and he's like, what are you working on? I'm like, it's launching and you know, we've got a show tonight, uh, and it's got to launch before we get to the show. And he's like, do you want me to drive slower? It's like a little bit, give me a little <laughs> bit more time. Um, but, uh, it, it's, it, I really suggest if you can make it, if you like to snowboard or ski, um, you know, come hang out. Um, you know, right now it's invite only. Um, and, and we've only got a few spots left. Um, but definitely, you know, request to request to get in and, um, I'd, I'd love to hang out with you. I'm, I'm going to be up there. Um, you know, Dan's going to be there and it's, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be different than I think any conference anyone's ever been to because a lot of these conferences you go to and, you know, it's speakers kind of in one pile and, um, everyone else in a different and because we're all staying in you know two houses um that are literally across the street from each other and we're eating together and we're snowboarding together there's going to be some really i think there's gonna be some really cool things and um hopefully some some issues get addressed um i'd love to talk to um so um i don't know if i'm allowed to say but i'll say it anyways um john lax is going to be there from t han and lax um and i'm excited to talk to him about kind of what happened with t han and lax um, I don't know if you saw that news. This yeah, time. so I, I never, like, we never talk about sort of tech world gossip on the show, but what the hell? Let's give it a shot. So wh- why now, uh, the basic gist of it is, is that they sold to Facebook, but only the top people or and people that decided that they wanted to move to San Francisco went with the deal and everyone else lost their job. That's it, right? Yeah, and the thing is, being originally from Canada, you know, I have a lot of friends that, you know, um, either knew people that worked there or worked there. Um, and so the, the way they played it off in the post and was to me, to me like, oh, cool. Like, it's kind of a bummer because they're such a great design agency. But, yeah, they're all going to Facebook. That's a big move. Like, 40 people all moved to San Francisco. And then I saw some tweets like, uh, actually, uh, there's 40 unemployed people out of this deal. And I was like man, that's got to blow. Like, it was just, it kind of changed, it changed the way I looked at the whole deal, and I'm still super stoked for, for those guys. You know, they're, they're truly talented people. Um, and obviously, you know, there's probably bits of story that will never be told. Um, you know, I imagine they didn't just hang those people out to dry. Um, Canada's got really good, like, um, laws for that. For you know, if you want to let somebody go, you, you give them a good severance package. And um, but uh, no, what, what did what did Twitter think about it? It was a mixed bag. Like you had all these, you know, the kind of the, the high level people like me that were like, "Oh man, interesting, super sweet." Oh, unemployed. That kind of sucks for people that you're getting kind of unemployed. But um, I mean, it yeah, it was, like, it was a mixed bag. I, I saw some of the outrage, and I, I guess I didn't really get it. I mean, I don't know. It's uh, like, I, like, like they provided good jobs for some period of time, and you know, they're the guys that run it are just guys too. It's not like they're not human in the same way everyone else is. And who knows? Everyone has their reasons. Who knows why they decided well, to? Maybe they didn't I, have any money to run the company. Who, who knows? Right, exactly. And you know, they may have been just looking to move on and. You know, if you maybe they're just, tired, if, maybe they realize they're going to die someday. Who knows, right? Oh, man, twelve years of running an agency—that's a long time um, of dealing with with clients. Um, and and they've worked on some high-profile stuff. And I, I wish them nothing but the best. And you know, and these are all people. Like T. Han and Lax is a name. Like you say it to any designer, I'm like, oh yeah, I know who that is. And so I feel like 
um, that's a foot in the door for, for all those guys. And, you know, the community is definitely watching out for them. There's outpours of, oh, we're hiring and we'll work with you remote and, you know, and different suggestions of why don't you just keep the band together and, um, but someone in my office put it the great way. I was like, oh man, like 40 people lost their job. He's like, yeah, but this company's like HP and Microsoft that lay off like, or, or Sony that lay off a thousand at a time or 2000. And, you know, those are local to us here in San Diego. And it's, you know, you never think about it. Like, I guess that's a big deal too. And they, they sneak them through during other announcements and, you know, it's, it is what it is, you know. Um, well, but th- it- things change, you know. I, I, like, I think that it's possible to both feel empathy for everyone that's going through change and how difficult that is, but and also say, you know, nothing stays the same. Yeah, I truly. That's you know, that's how I try to look at it is is you know, I feel like none of those people are you know going to lose their houses tomorrow. Um, everyone's going to be okay in the long, you know, in the next, you know. 12 to 6 weeks um, or 6 to 12 weeks I don't know why I did that the other way I feel like everyone will find jobs and, and land on their feet um, but uh, it's you know it's it, it's I think it's almost kind of good I've seen some articles where it's like it's kind of a shake up you know you have kind of a talent redistribution and some new ideas heading to potentially product companies and um, things of that nature yeah and I mean whether it's whether it's good or not I don't think matters. I, I think it matters to the individuals, but things change. And sometimes like there are winners and losers and some people will be way better off because of it. And some people will probably be worse off. And True. truly like I, you know, I, I, I try not, I try to sort of see both of those things without getting too judgy about whether or not the guys that ran the company should have made those choices or not. Who knows? I don't really know enough. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's, there's, it'd be interesting, you know, to, to maybe, you know, I don't want to, you know, drive on that point with John if I get the chance to talk to him, but it'd be interesting to ask. But, you know, there's, there's some, you know, to, to kind of get back to this, this conference, there's such talented people coming. And, um, and like I said, there's, there's still some surprises to come. Um, Dan, Dan sends me little bits and pieces here and there. And I kind of lose my mind every time he tells me something. Um, so just kind of the, the best thing I can do is, you know, make sure you follow up at Currents on, on, uh, on Twitter and, uh, um, and kind of watch for the, in the next kind of few weeks as, as things progress closer to the conference. And, and if you can come and you like us an award, you know, p- please request an invite. Um, you know, the worst, the worst that can happen is you get invited and you're stuck snuggling in a bed with me for a weekend. Oh, man. Yeah, okay. that sounds terrible. Your, p- it? your pitch was going so well. <laughs> yeah, see, that's, that's all. I told Josh, he's like, "Oh, you did such a great jo- job on the site, Josh Hemsley of en- Envoy." And I'm like, "Oh, thanks. I did it in exchange for the guarantee that I'd get to snuggle with you for the conference." He's like, "Great, keep me cozy." <laughs> well, I worked with him. <laughs> yeah, I knew it would. I, I wasn't gonna pull it out on any of the other guys, but I know Josh, and uh, and yeah, but it, it 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 will be fun. I, I wish I, I wish I could say more. I was excited when you asked me on to to talk about it. And I ran it by Dan, and Dan sent me a nice long block of like, "Don't say this, and don't talk about that." And I was like, "Man, like I feel like it's like I'm working with the NSA. I can't share any of the good stuff." All right, well let's let's share the date in particulars. So it's it's epicurrence.com. Uh, yeah, March eighth through eleventh, um, in, in Tahoe. Um, so flights are really cheap right now because the snow is mediocre. 
at best. So maybe that's not helping the the sell. But you know, it's it's a it's a thousand bucks, uh, and and what that gets you is that gets your housing, your lift tickets, your rentals, your food, the the actual conference pass. Like uh, I calculated, I went on a ski trip last year. Yeah, this is a lot a, lot less than I expect or I spend for every ski trip I took the last few years. Yeah, like I I calculated, like I went up with some friends uh, last year for um, just before Christmas for three days, um, and you know my hotel was. Um, was you know uh, I think split between a bunch of us for for two nights it was like two hundred bucks a piece and you know lift tickets for two days were another two hundred dollars and you know then if you needed rentals that's you know another hundred dollars a day and food and you know quickly you know if I'm gonna go snowboarding with my friends it's gonna cost me anywhere from five to eight hundred bucks depending on kind of how lavishly we do it and you know to to do it for a thousand um, it's uh, I, I think Dan's a little crazy and it'd be crazy not to try and come because. Um, it's Tahoe and Tahoe's kind of got that legendary snow and you know March it should be should be nice and snowy like our photos yeah, yeah exactly you didn't put the mud in the photos <laughs> that's uh, not going to help sell <laughs> I think you've been doing a pretty good job pitching it alright so 30 total spots a few spots left your request on the site four speakers snowboarding now what if someone wants to ski are you going to look down at them no, not at all. Uh, there's definitely like a mixed bag of snowboarders and skiers, and it's 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 not sloped one way or another. Um, <laughs> oh, I wasn't trying to do that. <laughs> no, that, that they just lost a few sales in that one, I think. Um, it, it's definitely just a mixed bag, and um, a couple of the guys have never even been on uh, been on snow before. Um, like one of our speakers, um, Tobias, he's. Uh, Tobias Van Schneider, talk about a classy name. Um, he, he, I guess we were like we were talking a little bit back and forth about um, on Twitter, like people that oh I don't know if I want to go. I've never skied before. It's like actually Tobias has never been on snow before, so uh, it, it should be it should be good. Um, so and, th- and that's the thing is we're doing group lessons on the first day. So if you've if you've never been on skis or snowboard before, you know we'll get you off to the right start and. Um, I'd like to think most of the people in our community are, you know, both developers and designers are, are good people and, we're, you know, we'll help you get started. And that's the thing is, is it's not just for um, designers, it's for creatives. Um, you know, I think I'm definitely the oddball out up there as the, the Rails developer as my, my job. Uh, but there's a couple of guys that I know that are like front end devs and, you know, the more diversity we have, you know, not just in people, but in skill sets and what we do, it will just make conversations so much better. Cool. Well, it looks good. Yeah. It looks good. I think, I think it's going to be good. I, I, I'm so excited. I think it's like six weeks away. Um, I have my, my time off approved. Mm. Um, is it a weekend? March 8th to 10th? I believe it is a weekday. Um, Which is good. Um, one, it means you get to take a little time off work, and uh, yeah, so it starts on a Sunday, it ends on a Wednesday. So you get to take a, take a couple days off work, and uh, the nice thing about that time of year is it's right before spring break, so uh, or, or March break, I guess. Um, you know, so the snow's not skied out yet. Um, there's not a ton of people in the middle of the week. It's a, uh, it's a good time to be up there. Let me tell you a bit about our season-long sponsor of the Ruby on Rails podcast. It's Toggle Professional Services. You can go to toggle.pro to learn more. So first, let's talk about 
what Toggle is for businesses. So if you're a business that needs a partner to help refine or manage your overall strategy, or you need to build a new application or maintain existing code, perhaps you've got raw data that you'd like to convert into business intelligence, or you're looking to build analytics models on top of that data to improve and automate decision-making. If you've got some combination of those needs, Toggle can help you out. Go to toggle.pro and let them know what you're looking to do. Now, if you're on the talent side, if you're an expert strategist or software developer or analyst, you've got some time to do interesting extra work. Maybe you've got a full-time job. Maybe you're a full-time freelancer. Either way, if you would like to pick up some interesting projects that are well-managed and just rely on you to do the actual technical work, then Toggle could be a great company to partner with. Go to toggle.pro. Let them know. Toggle switch to experts. I thought I would uh, close with a last uh, new section for the new season called Hear Me. Just a few closing thoughts for me. So I uh, I started working on a long-term project recently. So it'll go on for a couple years. And uh, it's with a team that's stuck on a very old app, like built maybe 17 years ago, mostly. Or 15 to 20 years ago, depending on which part. And it's Oh, built- man. I thought our app was old. Yeah, this is old. So it's built on Microsoft stack, but not even like the new good stuff. So it's not like it's like the new .NET modern Microsoft stuff, which, you know, if you're if you're in our community would still be a pretty big turnoff, but at least it's it's sort of similar. Um I mean similar in 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 terms of the the sort of architecture of how things work and the quality, etc. This is way before all of that. Um, and it's rough. So, uh, an example of how rough was I asked what test runner they use and how it works just cause this was all foreign to me. And here's what they said. And they said, well, we tried to get approval last year for a test runner, but we couldn't get the $30,000 that we needed for a license to one that will work on, on this, uh, platform. And, uh, man, did I realize right in that moment, how good we've got it. Thirty, you know, thirty thousand dollars to get something that's like one hundredth as good as our spec. So, you know, this week, if you are complaining to yourself or others about, you know, whatever grievance you think the community has bestowed on you, at least uh, you didn't have to pay thirty thousand bucks for our spec. So, there we go. There's my hear me closing thoughts for the week. All right. So, what do you think of this format? It was uh, the rake, better bundle, add-on machine, human after all, and hear me. I like it. It gives it some format. It gives it some structure. It's different than, you know, when you said, oh, you got a new format. I was like, oh, man, what podcast is he stealing it from this time? And it's it's original. I like it. Oh, good. It's good. good. Well, I enjoyed having you on. This was fun. Thanks. This is, yeah, it was great. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, well, if someone wants to connect with you on Twitter, how should they do it? Um... Yeah, it's just at Rigel St. Pierre. It's a nice long one. I was I was early into the game and I picked the long name even then. Just R I G E L S T P I E R E. I'm on there all day. More was, than my boss would wish I was. Boy, you were so you joined in March of two thousand eight and you're Rigel St. Pierre. Yeah, I totally could have got Rizal back then, I think. Um, like oh, it was man. definitely something I could have got, but it was, um, 
I don't know. I think when I first signed up, I was Rigel is on fire because that's what all of my screen handles were, and even my Skype now is still that. You know, from when I was in high school, my my aim and my MySpace and all those things. Um, and yeah, so somehow I got stuck with Rigel Saint Pierre, and it's it's not bad. I have friends with way worse ones, and well, it's your it's your name too. There's nothing wrong with having your name as your Twitter handle. Yeah, I, just, I have a long name. Like, when yeah. I look at it, it's like, it's a long name. And, you know, someone explained to me, I think it was, like, grade 12, uh, when, like, I was just starting to finally use Twitter. I signed up for Twitter because I saw on MTV that it was the next MySpace, or the next Facebook. Like, Facebook was already on its way out, and the Twitter was the cool new thing. And I was like, I want to be on the cool new thing before everyone else. Um, and, uh, and but I didn't use it, really, until uh, 2008, uh, 2009, I guess, is when I really started to use it. Um, and, uh, someone's like, yeah, you have a really long name. Like it makes like conversations hard. I'm like, oh shoot. I hadn't thought of that. Um, yeah, well, yep. But that's where you can find me. I hang out there. I lurk. I say terrible things. Um, that's, that's not true. Can I plug, can I plug my job, my job post? Is that, is that cool? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. So we're hiring at bands in town. We're looking for a support engineer. So if you like DevOpsy things and you like Rails, uh, we'd like to talk to you. Should they tweet uh, at you for more details? How can they learn? Yeah, more? you can tweet at us or you can yeah tweet at me. It's probably the best way. No one else really does the hiring around here. I, I find candidates and I po- point them in the right direction and get them through the the hierarchy of our corporate parents. Do you have uh, to be in uh, San Diego? Why wouldn't you want to be in San Diego is the, is the real question. <laughs> right. Got, I, 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 I tell, I, I'm all for remote work, but when people think, oh, you got to be in San Diego, it's like, uh, you get to be in San Diego. Uh, it, it, it's The weather here, it's, it's what, 8 o'clock at night, 7.30 at night here, and it's still 60 degrees Fahrenheit, which is fantastic. Um, so I, I have zero complaints. Um, but, yeah, like we – we have a New York office as well and a Montreal office, um, so there's potential there. But we'd, we'd love to have you in, in San Diego and uh, come come enjoy the beach and our fine beers. Sounds good. All right, well, if someone wants to connect with me, I'm, I'm uh, barely known on Twitter. So thanks, Rigel. Thanks, John.